You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Fully Loaded Chew is tobacco-free, long-cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully Loaded Chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and fully loaded chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Brought to you by Vortex Optics. Here we go again. Welcome back, everybody. Hopefully, everybody had a great weekend. Um, this is a this is going to be an action packed week for us here at the uh, Nine Finger Chronicles. Uh, we got Tony Peterson on this week. Uh, my buddy Lucas Psycho from North Dakota is going to be on this week. So. We got this podcast today, which is about early season hunting strategy. We got uh, another Tony Peterson episode for Wednesday, and then my buddy Lucas Psycho is going to be on on Friday. So a full docket this week of uh, Nine Finger Chronicles podcast for your ears, and hopefully you guys don't have ear gasms. If that's a, a real thing, just make sure you have Kleenex uh, nearby. Today... We're going to be talking with Tyler Hogel from Missouri, and he is currently chasing a one buck on a particular farm near a job site that he is working on. And um, this podcast is about what he's going to do, his current strategy that he's implementing right now as you're listening the, to this on a particular buck that is on this on this particular farm so this is a um an early season strategy the cool thing about this episode is the deer hasn't been killed yet so he is actively basically just talking through how he's going to approach hunting this particular deer and um i i like i like conversations like that man it's um it's just basically talking it out walking through the entire process of what he plans to do and and uh i like it so first things first if you haven't listened to the hunting gear podcast uh that podcast focuses 
all is all about hunting gear and equipment we talk about boots we talk about bows we talk about arrows we talk about firearms we talk about clothing we talk about accessories tree stands ground blinds everything that uh that you want to know about hunting gear and equipment we cover it um we talk directly to manufacturers we talk directly to um hardcore hunters and how they make the decisions based off of maybe budget or what their what their needs are for gear really interesting podcast um hope it's been around since 2019 so i hope you guys have all heard about it but go check that out um also be sure you're following the nine finger chronicles on instagram and facebook and following the sportsman's nation on instagram and facebook and comment leave reviews five-star reviews and uh all that good stuff so if you're a fan of the the podcast uh that i put out please go to itunes or wherever you download your podcast give a five-star review and um I would appreciate that. So before we get into today's episode, we're going to do some quick commercials here. First, Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands at LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com. I am a huge fan of the Assault Hang-On and Four Sticks. That is my go-to run-and-gun setup everywhere that I go, um, unless I am hunting on a piece that I can leave some tree stands up throughout the year, and that's really only three spots. Um... I'll leave a tree stand up during a uh, in a pinch point or downwind of a, a popular bedding area, but typically I'm just moving and shaking throughout the countryside with four sticks and an assault, and that's my that's that's how I get anywhere I need to get. If I don't need to get as high, I'll leave one stick on the ground. Um, if I need to really stretch it out, I'll go as high as I possibly can on those four sticks, uh, looking for that back cover and all that stuff. So, um, but they have climbers. They have a Alpha Hang On, which is a tree stand with a little bit bigger of a platform. And then, other than that, man, they have some accessories uh, as well that you guys can take a look at. But go visit LoneWolfHuntingProducts.com, and uh, if you decide to make a purchase, that's over $200, you can enter the discount code. What is, which one is it here? We got 9FC21, 9FC21, and that's going to save you $50 off of all purchases over one or $200. So that's a really good discount. Uh, next... Uh, Exodus trail cameras. All right. So um, I talk a lot about these guys uh, in not only the company, but the cameras. So right now, um, man, I need to get out and go check as far as strategy is concerned. I need to get out and go check some of my trail cameras. I haven't checked cameras in a, in a while. I need to go do that. Um, I got a couple cell cams that are, are, uh, are sending some information back to me, but right now most of the, the movement is nocturnal so what i'm doing is i'm really monitoring my trail cameras this time of year in order to um you know if, if something starts moving or if it gets closer to daylight then i need to really think about getting in the woods and start starting to chase but uh, these guys have uh, some really cool features along with it they have the um, they have a solar panel that you can plug into the cameras and uh, the, the, the camera will live off of uh, solar, solar power and that extends your battery life. They also have a, a five-year uh, theft replacement. So if uh, someone steals your, your trail camera, you can buy one back from them for half price or if it's damaged within that five-year warranty, um, 
you can buy one back from them at half price. So uh, that's a pretty, no, no other trail camera companies doing that. Uh, ExodusOutdoorGear.com. Go check out the, the lift, the render, the lift, the render, and the trek are their cameras. So uh, there's that. Uh, and then we have Excalibur crossbows. If you guys are in the market for a very durable, not over-engineered crossbow that is made from the best material from a company that's been around for a very long time, 30 years is no joke. Um, I hope that in 30 years, the Sportsman's Nation is still uh, up and running and, and kicking. But uh, Excalibur's, uh, Excalibur crossbows has, have been around for a long time, durable. Go to their website. Check out the videos that these guys uh, are currently launching. Uh, are currently launching. Um, they show the durability. Like they're throwing, they're throwing the crossbow off a truck or off of a house, and then they're dragging it behind a four wheeler. Then they put a bolt in it, they shoot it, and it works fine. So uh, a lot of durability, uh, a lot of um, uh, hard work behind these crossbows. So ExcaliburCrossbow.com, and then we have Ozonix. Man, it's that time of year where we are starting to get out in the woods. Um, and as we all know, time is always an issue uh, throughout the entire hunting season, especially for me. I got to get out. I got to hunt. And then I got to get back home as soon as possible to, you know, so I have my responsibilities as a father and the job and all of that stuff. So it's I don't necessarily have enough time to wash my clothes between every single hunt so what i do is i'll throw my clothes in the dry wash bag and run a dry wash cycle from one of the units it kills all the odor it cleanses my clothes um, from an odor standpoint kills all the bacteria and now i put that clothes back on and i feel invisible when i'm walking into the woods and um, yes you still play the wind but this these units have more than just an in the field application they have an equally functional outside of the field application as well in their dry wash bag so in the tree they distort your scent cone at home they are destroying the odor on your clothes uh, so take that into consideration ozonicshunting.com and if you do decide to purchase one of their units enter the discount code nfc 21 nfc 21 and you can get a dry wash bag a free dry wash bag with a purchase of a unit so there's that all right we've done the commercials let's get into today's early season hunting strategy podcast with tyler fogel three two one all right on the phone with me today mr tyler hogel tyler how we doing man doing well how are you i'm doing good i'm a bit confused though because when when you reached out to me i thought you were from saskatchewan canada but you're not from saskatchewan canada you're from missouri explain explain the the instagram name of why you have saskatchewan in your in your name yeah yeah you, you bet and uh uh the, the wife still makes fun of me for it today uh, but I, I travel for work. I'm in uh, construction management. A uh, company sent me up to Saskatchewan. I uh, took the opportunity to hunt, fish, uh, hike, uh, to do just about everything you would want to do in Canada. While I was up there, uh, extensive driving to British Columbia or back home to Missouri, uh, talking 20-plus hours, 
uh, quite regularly every few months, and uh, that's when I fell in love to starting to listen to podcasts, listening to, to you, Mark Kenyon, Tony Peterson, Hunting Public, whatever it might be, you guys would always refer to uh, take a look at this photo on Instagram that I had uh, of a deer walk past a camera or take a look at how I set up this tree stand or this location. And I, I could never, never look at it. I never had an Instagram. What wasn't huge on social media. So I, I made up an account uh, that I thought somebody wouldn't try to track me down and start tagging me in items, tagging me in photos that I, that I have no business being tagged in. Uh, so I, I, I made a name Saskatchewan bow hunter when I was uh, bow hunting up in Canada quite regularly. And uh, just to, to follow you guys and then take a look at photos and uh, that's, that's what stuck. I, I haven't changed it or, or added anything and I still use it uh, day in, day out just, just to follow uh, uh, the social media platforms that are now out there. Nice. Nice. All right. So, um, before we get into what, you know, just, I don't know, I don't even know what we're going to talk about yet today. So this is going to be an open-ended conversation and it can go anywhere, but, um, you said construction management. Uh, what is it? What is, what is construction management? Because I've had guys on, on here before who have said construction management, and it sounds like that can mean a thousand different things. No, absolutely. And uh, depending on who you work for, they, they might call it something totally different. Uh, the, the gist of it is uh, my, I have a college degree in civil engineering. Uh, didn't quite want to take the engineering route. Uh, it wasn't really my style to sit behind a desk and design. I, I think similar to you, I think you've done cubicle life and that wasn't quite what you wanted to do for the rest of your life. And uh, so, so I, I ventured out and to a company that I could utilize that degree, but still be in the field, still travel, still see the U.S. and then do, do shit that's exciting. Lift um, a, a three million pound uh, Hersig or turbine or inverter or something of that nature. Uh, so that, that's what, what led me into the construction management. So what I actually do day in, day out is I uh, oversee the daily construction activities, whether that's scheduled, budget, delays, conflicts, engineering, uh, whatever it might be that's going to happen on a large $200 million job site. Um, that is what I'm trying to manage and mitigate and at the end of the day, make sure it doesn't cost my company a ton of money. Yeah. I, I tell you what, I, I used to work for a company, and you just said cost your company a ton of money. And we had some contracts. I, I worked in the sanitation uh, world where, let's just say, a company um, like Tyson's Chicken or someplace uh, – I don't know, that made food or it was a kill plant where they killed turkeys or chickens or hogs or, or beef or whatever. The san we were contracted out by that company, our sanitation company, and then we would take a crew in there and we would clean the building every single day that they had an operation from floor to ceiling and it had to be um, inspected by the USDA and they took swabs and they checked for uh, bacteria like uh, listeria and you know all the other bad bad things that could potentially get people sick if it didn't go unchecked and if we were late if the you know in cleaning right if there was a a problem with on our end that prevented the the company from opening up on time we were talking about potentially 
thousands and thousands of dollars for every minute that we would be billed if the company didn't open up on the same time on the right time so they could get their product out the door right so costing another company money because you're not on your game is a is a real thing and uh man i i felt some major pressure when i was trying to get my crew you know to do their job on time so that the usda could run you know go through their inspection and then the the company could open up and start production again so it was nuts oh absolutely it's uh uh, there's always a, a bigger picture for us. I, I manage uh, the construction of power plants, whether it be a solar farm, a combustion turbine, or a, uh, a steam turbine, whatever it might be. And these companies have contracts uh, typically with uh, the, the government that they have to provide X amount of megawatts by this date because they are shutting down this plant or this plant needs an outage. Um, and, and it's not usually an option for us to miss that date. And if we say we're going to give them 200 megawatts of power, uh, by golly, we better be giving them 200 megawatts of power by this date because they have a four-week outage on a coal plant. Uh, so, uh, I mean, we, we've seen it down in Texas, right, what the, uh, what the grid does down there and what happens uh, when you don't have power to these homes, hospitals, uh, whatever it might be, it, it, it's a big deal. It's, it's the same with your company. If if Tyson's factory is down for a day, uh, logistically, uh, what that does to the meat market in the U.S., it, it, it backs everybody up. Prices yeah. go up. Uh, trucking gets shut down, whatever it might be. It's uh, the, the holistic effect of uh, not coming in on time or not producing whatever you're being paid to produce, uh, whatever that might be. Uh, it's typically a much bigger picture than just uh, day in, day out. I need to make sure these cables are turned or this pipe is welded today. It's uh, the, the greater picture that it is stressful. I yeah. tell my wife quite often I, I'd rather go back to sitting on a tractor and raking hay and baling hay. That's uh, th- That'd be the life. <laughs> Uh, All the, you're worried about is weather at that point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so um, let's let's talk about Canada a little bit. You said you spent some time up there, and I've only interviewed a handful of guys from from Canada uh, on this particular podcast. But compare, I guess, your experience down in Missouri with with your your deer hunting up in saskatchewan how how similar are they and how different are they at the same time yeah um so firstly uh the, the deer up there are body wise just just massive uh it's it's in, in missouri has has good sized deer especially in northwest missouri where i typically hunt uh it, it's it's not uncommon to see uh, a 200 pound deer uh but, but up in canada uh, the, the two whitetail I killed up there, them hanging on the wall compared to a decent-sized mature buck sitting right next to it that I shot in northwest Missouri, they almost look like two different species. And in hell, they, they might be two different subspecies. I, I'm not smart enough to understand how that actually works. Uh, but so, so size in general is just staggering. And then what that does as well is um, what you think – is an average deer um, on, on camera or uh, through a spotting scope 
compared to the rack and, and how it's associated and compared to the body of the deer, uh, you might think you're, you just shot a 130-inch deer um, because you're so used to seeing what, what's in Missouri or uh, Arkansas or Kansas, whatever it might be. Uh, but then when you actually walk up to the deer or you compare that uh, to a similar or a smaller size body deer, it's, you just shot a 150-inch deer, but, but, but you had no idea. You thought you were shooting an average deer, and now you shot uh, something that you're, you're pretty proud of. Uh, so that right there is a, a big difference. Um, where I'm at in Missouri is, uh, let's call it, uh, yeah, I'm going to be off on this, 20% timber, 25% timber, uh, the rest row crop. Um, but row crop makes a lot more money than timber does. Uh, so I, I'm typically hunting it in the timber, though, um, next to a cornfield or bean field. Let's call it 50, 100 yards in. In Canada, uh, where I was in Saskatchewan, it's very similar to a western Kansas that you'll have uh, what they call coolies, but uh, it's just a, a river system um, that actually holds uh, it's, it's heavy brush. It's not even timbered. It's not something you can put a tree stand in. And that's what I did my, my entire hunting career is I I tree stands. I, I don't even care for blinds. Uh, so up there, it's a totally different mindset now. You don't have a tree that you can actually hang a stand in. Um, and you don't have timber. You don't have thick trails going through timber, uh, focusing on acorns or focusing to the food source. You have a coolie system with thick brush. Uh, so that, that that really took a lot of getting used to, and it's something I actually fell in love with, um, more of a, a glassing, uh, stocking opportunity in, in Saskatchewan rather than northwest Missouri. It's more of a an ambush-style hunt. Um, and I, I quickly realized that uh, the, the Saskatchewan hunting is something I prefer. Uh, it's just not something vastly available to me in the state I'm at. Uh, so that, that was an exciting difference that that i really ended up falling in love with yeah what was the uh you mentioned some coolies and stuff uh some of the other guys that i had on from uh canada said that canada other than the the far west right the yukon um uh and you know on the west coast of canada a lot of the a lot of it is flat country is that accurate yes it's uh now there's it's strange because Saskatchewan, the province of Saskatchewan, is the size of uh, like, like five Texases. So it, it's hard to even uh, fathom. It's uh, you, you have three different states almost. Let's call it Iowa down to Texas is the size of Saskatchewan. So Iowa's in the southern portion of Saskatchewan, which is a, a very flat rolling plains, uh, but with a large coulee system or a... Uh, um, Gosh, I don't even know the correct term for it down here, uh, but a, a creek channel that is eroded, so you you have a elevation change only at those coulee systems. Um, now, the farther you go north, you get into real thick bush, uh, real thick timber at that tree line, uh, which I just never quite made it up that far north. That's uh, you know an eight-hour drive just in the same province. Um, but but yes, it's it's uh, a very flat, rolling hills style of area. Okay. All right. Now, as far as deer behavior uh, is concerned, what's the uh, what's the differences? What's you know you know you've already mentioned that they have bigger bodies, right? So um, that tells me they got to eat a little bit more. 
uh, to get through the winters and, and things like that. But uh, what are some of the um, other similarities, maybe on deer behavior side of things, or maybe some differences on deer behavior? Yeah, so the similar, you, you still have uh, rut. You still, uh, they're still going to breed. Uh, the, the timing period is different, um, obviously, uh, as it is in the, the States. Um, and, and you still have, uh, they need to eat. They need a food source. And then thirdly, they, they need shelter. Um, so th- that that's the similarity. The, the biggest difference is what that actually looks like up there. Um, uh, up where I'm at, they don't have corn. Uh, they don't have beans. They have mostly uh, lentils. Um, which is um, just, just another crop they grow up there. Um, but it's the deer are, in my opinion, easier to find, uh, but more difficult to hunt in the sense that uh, shelter wise that there isn't there isn't much um, in regards to uh, timber or hay fields or something of that nature. It's just just not uh, uh, vast where you do have a hay field, you have, uh, 2,000 head of cattle in there and uh, you're not going to uh, find a deer in that area or you're not going to be allowed to hunt it. Uh, so finding the deer wasn't the hard part. They are focused in these coolies or in these pockets of brush and it, it is it is thick. By the time they go in it, it if, if they're in it, they're, they're gone. You're not going to see them bed down. You have no idea where the hell they're going to pop out at. Uh, so, so finding them was easier. Um, actually setting up and being able to get within bow range uh, turned out to be the, the more difficult um, aspect of it. It is probably similar to, to more of the Western style hunts uh, that I, I, I haven't been too involved with just yet in my career. Um, so it's, it's really trying to focus on where they're going to go out to feed um, from those uh, brushy areas in the bottom of the coolies are, are where they're going to find water. So, I mean, that's pretty uh, standard, nothing crazy there um, or, or eye-opening, but um, it was tough to uh, find that one route um, that, that they're going to pull out of and actually head to that lentil field uh, come uh, when the sun's starting to go down. So it um, the, the activity was still the same. They still need the base uh, food, water, shelter, and they're still going to have breeding. Uh, but how they interact and how they utilize some of these travel paths are, are just, just different to what you'd expect. You, you don't have a, um, a, a pinch point that, that is easily recognizable on a, um, on a uh, GPS map. Yeah. If you're not out there and actually walking and trying to find these trails, and glassing and then spending um, a, a couple weeks before season and then figuring out how they're utilizing it. It's not, uh, to me, now I was new up there, so maybe someone listening that's been hunting that ground for 20 years are going to call me an idiot and say, no, I, I know exactly what they're going to do. But um, if you're going up there, it's and it's similar to when you go out and do your western hunts, uh, it, it's a different style of hunt unless you're actually putting boots on the ground or finding some good glassing areas, maybe before season or mid season, before you actually want to execute the hunt, it, it, it's tough. It, it's not uh, similar to the states or at least Northwest Missouri, where uh, you know the pinch points. You know they're going to uh, bed in the timber and they're going to go out to this. And once they harvest this crop, they're going to move into the acorns or whatever it might be. Um, that's not necessarily how it works up there. 
Uh, yeah. So that, that was a, a little getting used to that um, I think I was uh, lucky enough to, to catch on to and, and execute a few times. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, so you left Canada, you come back to, uh, Missouri. Now is Missouri where you're from originally? Uh, it's like born and raised yeah. Missouri. Okay. All right. Yeah. But born in Connecticut, uh, but moved to a small town, Northwest Missouri, uh, age of five. So for the most part, born and raised, uh, in Northwest Missouri. And that's where, uh, that's where the house and the wife are now. All right, cool. All right. So, Let's uh let's talk a little bit about Missouri now. Um and and uh this time let's let's be specific about this time of year. I'm just going to I'll start off and I want to just express to you that like I don't know. There's a lot of people getting fired up about getting out and getting hunting. Like I'm not going to say it's at uh, an all-time low, but my me wanting to get out into the woods and chase deer right now is, you know, I'm supposed to be this, this guy who's a hardcore uh, hunter. I'm, I'm supposed to be, you know, fired up all the time about getting up uh, and going and going hunting because I have a podcast, right? right? Because I put out this content, but I, I'll tell you this, man, I'm focused on other things right now. Like my life is really busy and I'm, I, I know when I need to be in the woods and for some reason, right now just doesn't feel like the time that I need to be out. Um, I'm, I guess I'm kind of saving all of my brownie points and all of my um, uh, time spent in the tree stand in a, uh, I don't know, closer to the quote unquote good time of the year. But I just kind of wanted to say that and then deflect that question back to you. Like, where's your excitement level right now as far as trying to get out into the the woods and, and start hunting right now yeah so that it's actually something i've uh uh that really hits home when you bring it up and, and maybe some folks that aren't married um or, or don't have kids or, or other obligations that take them out the the, the brownie points and uh and i'm not going to sit here and say that my, my wife is a hard ass and she, she doesn't like when i hunt or leave the house or uh whatever it might be but as everybody listening, and you know, it's, um, it, it takes a lot of time and effort uh, to actually uh, drive out to the farm on a weekend, uh, sit in a stand. You're, you're up early before she wakes up. Uh, you're home late when she's uh, getting ready to go to bed, already had supper. So right now, my, my main focus um, it is making sure that I, I have enough brownie points that when that, well, let's call it quote-unquote peak time, um, actually comes or that cold front's coming around in late October uh, that sh- she's not going to be frustrated with me when I leave at 4 a.m. And, and get home at midnight. Um, it, it'll be an easy conversation because I put in the hours at the house or with her, her family, her friends when it's 95 degrees out, uh, the beans are brown, corn's being harvested, there's just not much going on. Uh, so th- that's really what I, what I focus on right now. Um, now I will say uh, there are periods um in september and october that uh, for instance this year i've been able to take advantage of um the farm i'm hunting on uh so so right now i'm, I'm traveling for work I, i'm in uh, central missouri uh, right off i-70 which really uh cuts missouri in half so j- just east of columbia and i'm, I'm hunting on a farm that uh being uh, away from home i i don't necessarily have 
the pressures of being, being home late for supper because I, uh, uh, living on my own. So that that's, um, not a huge impact, but, but right now I'm excited because the farm I'm hunting on, uh, they had late beans and this might be the only crop of beans that are still somewhat green. And I, I've noticed over the last few weeks, uh, that the deer are just, just pounding them. They, they are out there like clockwork in the morning and evening. And I'm close enough that I can work till five thirty, hop in the truck, drive 20 minutes and be in a stand by six and still get an hour, hour and a half of hunting. And it's actually been quite successful in seeing deer and uh, getting them within 60 yards. Quite, quite haven't been able to uh, to execute and put one on the ground yet. Uh, but it's a little uh, different than maybe what I've, I've seen in the last five or ten years that I've been hunting. That I, I usually stay out of the woods, and I'm more like you, trying to focus, get everything aligned, uh, work-wise, home, home-wise, uh, wife-wise, uh, to where I can uh, utilize the good weather. But I've been able to take uh, take advantage of that green field, um, those late beans, and uh, I'm quite optimistic actually here in the next few days that uh, the buck that's been skirting me uh, the past week or so I'll be able to uh, execute that and, and take advantage of it. So that's that's something that's a little abnormal I'd say to to what I typically be doing this time of year um, outside of brownie points, shoot my bow. Uh, trying to get more familiar with uh, a new stand or sticks and, and really uh, hone in on, on how, uh, how I'm going to set that up, uh, be quiet. And uh, uh, yeah. so, yeah, that, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. All right. So, so you mentioned right now there's a buck that uh, you're, you're actually on. All right. And I always ask this question, how killable is he right, right now? Now, do you, do you want an, a, a one to 10 scale? Or? I want you to tell me whether or not you're going to kill this buck and how confident you are in it. I think I have a week and a half before these beans turn and, uh, the environment changes. Uh, we, we have some moisture moving in over the next couple of days. Uh, the, the highs are now below 80 degrees dropping down to 60. Uh, if you would have asked me at noon yesterday, I would have thought I'd be telling you right now that I have uh, a deer in the freezer. So, uh, I'm, I, am i am honestly, I, I'm over optimistic. I, I think I'm at an eight out of 10 that, uh, over the next week, I'm, I'm going to be able to at least have an opportunity, uh, within range of this buck. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what specifically this buck is doing. All right. Because, um, you meant, you've already mentioned late beans so the the beans are somewhat green right now i know that certain parts of missouri just from the reports that i'm getting uh had a really good acorn crop this year um and i don't know whether that was northwest missouri i just heard that missouri as far as the whole state had a good acorn crop this year um so i don't know if that's how you know if that's good if that's what you're seeing uh and if that might deter you from you know that buck making a switch from beans to, to acorns and vice versa or any other type of green food source in the area. But what do you think this buck is doing right now? And how are you, what is your approach to trying to kill this buck? Yeah, this buck, uh, to be, to be frank, I think I can say it. He's, he's being a real jackass. I, uh, I, I, he, we did have a, uh, a decent acorn crop here where I'm hunting now. I haven't been in the woods too much there in uh, northwest Missouri, but here in central, it's been pretty solid. And I'm 
waiting for that transition to happen. And it, it just hasn't for this guy. Um, whatever the reason be, I, I think where I'm hunting, they have plenty uh, abundant acorns. Um, but he is still um, honed in on these beans. And like, like I said, he's clockwork. So I, the field I'm hunting, let's call it um, a 300-acre field maybe. Uh, so, so it's pretty large, and I can see corner to corner. Um, and, and the surrounding tree line makes a horseshoe there. Uh, so I, I sat in a stand. Um, I, I think you spoke about it, and I, I have a similar mindset that observation stands, uh, they, they don't do me much good. I, I can absorb uh, or uh, observe from a, a killing stand as well. So I, I think they're, they're two and the same there. So um, every time I go out, it's not the intent just to see it. It's to, to have them within uh, that 40-yard range. Uh, so where I thought he'd be, uh, one night, uh, he, he comes out in the other corner. I pack up, move my stand, uh, re- reset in that corner, and, and sure enough, he, he's now coming out of the other corner. So he's, uh, he, he's really playing, playing tag with me right now, and it's just a matter of uh, picking the right day in the right corner of the field. Um, and, and I think it's going to happen. I, I really do over the next five days. I think he's going to slip up. I don't think it's a matter of me being too loud, um, him uh, catching my smell. I, I don't think it's that. I think it's uh, luck of the draw of, of where he's wanting to bed that evening or which route he's taking to the beans. Um, so uh, the, we're playing cat and mouse, and uh, I think it's just a matter of time putting hours in the tree stand. I, I don't think I'm hurting my chances by being out there too much right now. Uh, seeing what, what I'm observing, observing, he's he, he's not on edge. I'm not spooking him when I get out of the stand. Uh, my, my entry and exit route is uh, pretty top-notch right now. Um, with them being in the field and me being able to exit through uh, some timber outside of them. So uh, th- that's my strategy is just, just get out there and spend spend time in the woods, spend time on that field edge. And uh, I, I think one of these days he's he's going to mess up and, and I'm, I'm going to may- maybe call it get lucky, but pick the right corner of the field that he's going to come out of that evening. Okay, cool. So how do you how do you envision this going down? You know, knowing what you know, um, about the property, the, the buck, is this a buck that you've had, uh, history with, or is this uh, a first time customer on your radar? Yeah, it's actually first time. So, um, with my, uh, career choice, I, I bounce around, uh, to, to two, maybe three States a year, depending on how long a project is. Um, so this is a farm that, uh, one of the guys on the job site, his, his uncle owns it. Uh, his uncle hates the deer. They, they mow down his bean crop every single year. Uh, he, he just wants them out of there, which is uh, music to my ears. Can't hear anything better than that. Uh, so he's given us open rain on, on any part of the farm. Grab the four-wheeler. Do whatever you need. Just get him out of here. Um, so it, it's definitely a first-time deer, first time even hunting on this ground. Uh, spent, oh, before season, a uh, couple hours a week uh, walking with that other guy here on the job site getting familiar with it and uh it just happened didn't even have them on camera we have a few uh cell cameras set up hadn't seen them have a few other uh, decent deer that we haven't seen on the hoof yet uh but first time deer knew nothing about them um and uh just just happy to have the opportunity that this farmer uh, uh hates deer and that he he loves hunters so it's uh it's worked out well for me so far good deal all right so he hates deer do you feel obligated to stack a couple does up 
because he's letting you hunt (laughs) this farm knowing that, you know, he's letting you hunt there because he feels that you're going to get rid of some deer for him. Um, do you feel that you need to, uh, kill some does on top of hunting a buck? Absolutely. And that's the plan. I, I have not passed up on a doe yet and I I won't, um, because I do have that obligation to him. I I told him I'd, I'd I'd shoot whatever walks out in front of me. If it's a legal deer, we we do have a four point restriction. So that, uh, not going to do anything of that nature, but I, hell, I I might even consider shooting a, a younger two and a half year old buck. Um, just, just to help him out. Cause that's, that's really why he has me there. I mean, we're not, we're not best friends or I'm not going to see him over Thanksgiving. So, um, th- that is why he wants me out there. Uh, so if a doe walks in front of me, um, and I, I have no idea if the buck's following her or not, I I'm shooting that doe. Uh, he, he calls me when we leave the field every evening. Hey, so, saw your truck out there. How many did you get? Well, I, I didn't get any yet. Oh, damn look let me know try to get them all <laughs> so uh yeah it, it just so happens though these uh so there, there's two bucks there's one that, that's pretty small that's hanging around with this guy still um and then there's uh, uh this one that i'm after maybe three and a half he, he he's no record holder um but he, he's uh it's a decent deer mature deer um but he's still hanging out with five or six does they, they come out from the same area they're still bunched together and they're still mowing down his beans so um, if, if one of them gives me an opportunity, um, it, it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I, I actually have a, a story. I, I went out last night. I'll, I'll keep it short, but, uh, we, we were watching the deer. I say we, my, my buddy there was a couple hundred, uh, yards in a different area, a different tree line. And this buck came out again, uh, opposite side of the corner. And there just happens to be a, a ridge or a, a crest, um, in, in the middle of this bean field. And uh, I, I saw him, and he, he's a good distance away, and they, they were not making any moves uh, to head towards my way, but they looked like they were headed north a bit uh, to a, a little bit greener of an area. It's just now starting to turn yellow. Uh, so along, along one of these tree lines, it was still fairly green. Um, so I, I thought he was going to be walking in that way with the other does. So I actually uh, got out of the stand with, oh, let's call it 30 minutes left to light, made my way down. Uh, kind of crouched, uh, kind of followed the, the tree line, tucked in a bit, um, trying to cut off and, and just assume that he's going to be um, uh, headed to that greener area. And, and sure enough, he, he did. And sure enough, a couple of the other does did. Uh, he, he comes in, he's uh, 65 yards now, and I maybe have 10 minutes left of shooting light. So it, it's getting pretty dark. And uh, I, I, I see the buck. He's, he's, he's kind of held out at 65 yards. I don't think he's going to make the move. And uh, still looking for the does. C- couldn't quite see where they went. Uh, I, I go to take a few more steps, try to close the distance, and look over to my left. And sure enough, there's two of them at 35 yards. Uh, so I, I knock an arrow. And uh, I'm getting ready to pull back on one of these does because even though that buck might make the move, I, I have an obligation to – one put meat in the freezer, uh, and and two help the farmer out of bed. That that's the whole reason I'm there. Uh, so I, I get ready to go pull back on this doe, and sure enough, look over, and that buck t- takes a few steps in my direction. So now I'm now I'm trying to guess. Do I do I wait uh, and think that this guy is going to close this gap in the next couple minutes, or do I shoot one of these does? And uh, uh, sure enough, that the buck looks like he's coming. So I I, I don't end up uh, releasing on a doe. Uh, they they might have catch my wind. They kind of 
I, they don't blow or, or, or run off in a hurry, but um, I, I could tell they, they weren't quite liking the situation. Uh, they head off in the other direction. It gets dark, and uh, the, the buck never closes the gap, and then that's the end of the story. What, what I later figured out, let's call it a blessing in a disguise, but a, a lesson for myself and then maybe some of the uh, the listeners here is I, I ended up, I, I always carry uh, two broadheads and a, a field tip or, or a target tip um, for miscellaneous shooting. I see a beer can or something on board in the stand. I, I ended up uh, uh, knocking the, the field tip arrow instead of the broadhead. <laughs> so if I would have actually shot one of those, those shame on me, uh, you know, piss poor hunting etiquette to, to actually do that. So I, I'm actually not going to bring a, uh, uh, field tip or target tip in, into the tree with me anymore because it's it's just a mistake that I'm not willing to make. I'm not willing to do that to a deer uh, just to be a, a fair hunter to them. Uh, so it, it's almost a, a blessing in disguise, and hopefully someone can learn from this, uh, that, that I almost made a huge mistake. Uh, luckily, I didn't, and uh, that's actually going to uh, change what I bring into the field with me. Dang. that that's a, that's a close call because I've had a couple moments like that before where – um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I knock, uh, the wrong arrow or I knock it backwards. I mean, not, you know, not backwards, but the wrong direction or my rest, right. my rest wasn't up yet. Or I don't know, one of, one of just some dumb mistake that you make. Right. Uh, or, you know, I, I climb up in the tree stand and I'm sitting there, but then I go to climb down after the hunt and I didn't see much or anything like that. And I'm, I was never hooked in to my tree harness, right? Just one of those brain dead, dumbass moves. And then you're like, God, I'm kind of glad now a deer didn't come by. Cause I could have easily fell out of the stand or, or shank the shot or, or whatever, you know, whatever. So yeah, man, I think, I think we've all been there before. Um, so you said you're, you're fairly confident, right? What's the backup plan for that property in this buck if that week and a half or whatever goes by the beans turn you know deer movement obviously is going to change in the next couple weeks and uh we get into a um you know a a different uh, the deer movement let's just say deer movement changes all together you know what's your approach going to be for that buck then at that point i mean do you have a backup plan yeah yeah Absolutely. I'm not going to say it's a foolproof backup. It's all an educated guess at this point, seeing that I, I do not have any history. Uh, we have a handful of uh, uh, cameras that I think are placed quite well um, in, in the timber, um, in, in some staging areas uh, that they they likely are utilizing right now. Uh, I just don't think that is the right move at this time to try to, uh, let's say, get in their bedroom or get a little closer. I just don't think I have to yet. Um, which is the reason I'm still staying on this field edge, not to pressure them too much. But, uh, yeah, as soon as these, these beans turn um, and they begin harvesting, as you mentioned, they're, uh, they're going to change their mindset. Uh, they're, they're, that field edge will be a, a wasted hunt. It, uh, you, you might see a deer, too. You're never going to uh, be able to get close enough to shoot one. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll move a few of the stands um, probably, hell, not, not too long from now, maybe mid-October. Uh, let's call it the quote-unquote October lull, which, uh, believe it or not, uh, um, I, I'm going to uh, change it up a bit, utilize that time period to uh, move into uh, more of those staging areas inside the timber, 
where their their major travel paths are or be able to utilize some of those pinch points uh, that I think they're going to be using. I think they're using it now. Um, it's just uh, not the right time for me to, to move in and encroach on that area when I don't have to. Uh, so it'll be, let's call it a little more aggressive um, of sets, move closer to their bedroom. I have a pretty good understanding of uh, the two or three areas that uh, this guy typically beds. Um, now, once rut hits, it's it's all toss-up. I'll, I'll focus more on those pinch points. Uh, but right now, I'm, I'm confident in where, uh, which two or three areas he's bedding. I've been trying to analyze uh, if there's a certain wind or certain weather uh, that he uses one point over the other. Um, and I'll, I'll use that knowledge and, and move in another 50 yards into the timber, um, maybe where there is a, a decent um, standing of, uh, of acorns or um, there's a decent creek bed that uh, they're still utilizing quite a bit. There's a decent creek crossing uh, that just gets hammered. It looks like a, a cow path right now, um, which uh, any other time of the day or any other time of the year, if these greens weren't late, that's where I'd be anyways. Uh, so I, I do have a few areas that we have cameras on they're using. Uh, it's just not uh, the right time for me to quite move in there um, just based on necessity. So I'll fall back uh, a little closer into there um, and really start looking for those acorns or those uh, water sources, depending on how, how dry it gets out here. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, you do have a little bit of a, a backup plan, but you're confident. You're, you're thinking you're going to get the job done in, in the next uh couple days um are you mobile every night or do you have like a handful of tree stands up right now that you're kind of rotating through based off of wind direction yeah so we have uh, uh my buddy and i we have three or four stands up um two of them I, i'm not going to call them mobile stands we, we will move them um when the time comes uh based on maybe what we're seeing there but as of right now just with such a short window that I have to actually get out. It's uh, just about an hour um, from when I leave the job site uh, to when shooting light is. Um, so I, I, I don't move every evening. Um, I, I have moved two or three times now based on um, I, I think it's coming to that corner or, uh, hey, it's going to be a, a, a north wind tomorrow. When I get out of the stand, let's go ahead and place the stand there knowing that I have a very small window and they're going to be, if they're not in the field yet, when I get out there at about 6 o'clock, they're, they're on their way. Uh, so that window to actually move my stand and install it um, and, and be quiet and stealthy enough uh, is, is, is very small. So I, I try to utilize, if I'm going to move the stand, I usually do it when I get out of the stand that evening. Um, if, if I'm not going to bump the deer from where they're at and then try to pick another spot. Um, so that that next evening or in two or three days, maybe when that area calms down a bit um, and it's a similar wind to what it was uh, the night I saw them come out of there, I, I can hop in that stand and, and uh, see if I can get lucky. Okay. All right, man. Well, it sounds like uh, you got, uh, you kind of got, you got a plan, right? And, and a, a plan is better than no plan at all. Uh, and uh, just, you know, I, I'm the kind of guy who likes to shoot from the hip a lot, but that's also gotten me in trouble uh, a lot as well. All right, so on this particular farm, you have an idea of what you got going on, but on um, are there any particular deer that you are excited about on any of your other farms that you're going to be hunting this year? 
No, absolutely. I'm a, I'm, I'm real giddy about uh, two of them, um, and they've been uh, very regular. Unfortunately, they're very regularly nocturnal yeah. um, as well right now. Um, so th- there are a, a few deer that um, I've been watching through the years, uh, ha- have a great mindset of what they're going to do. We, uh, we just harvested the corn up there. And uh, looking back, uh, not last year, but the year prior when we had corn in that field, um, have great intel on uh, where he went, how he changed his pattern once they took that corn out. Um, and I, I, I'm excited now that it's out. Uh, I think just last week they were able to uh, pick it. So um, as soon as I, I see him on hoof, I'll start spending more time uh, back home on the weekend instead of at this farm. So I'll, I'll make the drive a couple hours. Uh, it's about three hours. And uh, see if I can't set up and, and, and see him during daylight and uh, make a decent sit on him. But uh, right now, at stoked on uh, uh, two options I see uh, quite regularly. They're, they're deer I've had a history with. Um, and I, I think uh, not quite yet, but here in the coming weeks, um, when the, the temperature starts dropping and they get closer to that uh, breeding period, I, I am get, getting excited, getting damn excited uh, for, for a few of those options up there. Awesome. Well, that's good, man. I, I hope that uh, all of this uh, all of this pays off. And, it, you know, if, if the, the backup plan doesn't work, then maybe the backup property uh, or properties can, can work and, and uh, you fill your tag or tags, you know, whether you're looking to fill the freezer or, or go after some antlers. I forget, um, Missouri, what's the tag allocation like for Missouri? Yeah, so um, you can shoot... Uh, three bucks where i'm at you can shoot an early season bow uh you can shoot a uh rifle season i'm sorry an early season buck a rifle season buck and then a late season bow buck um and and then those um i I believe it's uh two or three uh that you're allowed to take i I usually um don't go above that two limit the farm i hunt on um is not abundant in does it's not um uh, overwhelming uh like the property i'm hunting here uh, so I, I try to take uh, one or two a year, but um, uh, it usually doesn't have many opportunities above that. Cool. Cool, man. Well, good luck this upcoming season. Uh, thanks for taking time out of your day to hop on and, and chit-chat with us for a, a little bit here about your uh, your strategy that you're going to implement in the next uh, couple weeks. And uh, be sure that you... Uh, you know, let me know what happens, how it goes down, and then maybe we can uh, have you on again for a follow-up episode. But thank you very much, and good luck this upcoming season, man. Yeah, absolutely. You as well, and uh, hopefully I'll shoot you a message here in a couple of days of, uh, of the one I've been after, and we can quit with the cat and mouse game, and uh, I can actually pick uh, pick the right corner of the field in the next coming days. And there you have it. Huge shout out to today's guests. Thanks, man, for coming on. Huge shout out to each and every one of you for taking time out of your day and, uh, you know, listening to this. Like I said, we have a really good uh, we have a really good lineup this week. So make sure you come back for the rest of the episodes. Huge shout outs to Ozonix. Huge shout out to Wasp. Huge shout out to uh, Hunt Stand. Huge shout out to Lone Wolf, Excalibur, uh, Excalibur Crossbows, Exodus Trail Cameras, and Vortex. Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. Good vibes in all the time. Good vibes out all the time. Wear your safety harness. 
treat your neighbor like you want to be treated and uh man go out and slay it's that time of year man whether you're looking to fill the freezer or whether you are looking to um uh, you know put a rack on the wall whatever your goal is hunt hard this upcoming season and we'll talk to you later Thank you.